At the end of last year, there was a question I put out to friends and various people in the game industry across all kinds of spectrum. I didn't get all of the answers back I'd hoped for. It was kind of a difficult question for a lot of people, I think. What did you give up for video games last year? I got a lot of different answers, like this one. I gave up Neon White to play Neon White. Neon White is a fantastic game to play, a fantastic game to optimize. This was my downfall. I kept playing the first two chapters over and over again trying to get better times, and to be clear, I had a great time competing against others during a LAN my friends and I hosted at our house. Coming up with new routes and discovering subtle mechanics in the game, Meanwhile, one of the other people at the land stopped worrying about times and continued on to more story and levels while me and another person were stuck shaving off milliseconds like rabid dogs. Sometimes we were able to lure one of the others back into our little competition with our sounds of excitement and frustration. I had a blast. My eyes and hands hurt. I couldn't play the game anymore after that. Neon White is fantastic. That was Tip Shada, who you can find at tipshada.bandcamp.com. It was slightly frustrating because I didn't actually know the answer to the question when I asked it. I didn't have anything in mind for myself, and I spent a few weeks actually going over it in my head, absolutely convinced I've never given up anything for video games out of some self-righteous assumption that I still have great love for the craft. And I do. And I do. But but this is the deephell.com podcast. So if we're going to find an answer, we're going to find one by the end, even if we have to turn it into a little bit of a journey. Hell.com episode New Year's Resolutions. So that's the pitch, right? I went all over the internet asking people who read the website, other writers I know, what did you have to give up for video games last year? People in the industry people working in games criticism, people who make games. I tried to ask as many people as I could. Not all of them gave me answers back. Of course, people are busy, they have their own lives. But every single answer I got helped me form this story in my head. And the story starts way before I ever thought about having a website or working in games criticism, the story starts with the original GameCube. The Nintendo GameCube. And Metroid Prime. I think that's where the story starts. Skeleton asked me to write about what games have given me. But I'd like to talk about what I 
and almost every other young person trying to break into this industry have given games. I've given my money, my time, my energy, social life, and relationships. My anger, my passion, the last of my reserves of optimism, and enthusiasm. I've given my hope, my mental health, and pretty much everything else I can offer. Have games given me things in return? Yes. A career, friends, and opportunities, to name a few. But where am I, and all the other people that make this trade, left at the end of the day? Burnt. And hollowed out after less than five years in the field, yet another coal in a raging fire. This industry runs on a fossil fuel. Young and talented people willing to sacrifice their lives to their favourite pastime. Just like those fuels, those at the top will tell you the supplies are limitless. They are not, and their rampant use causes irreversible damage. I want to put the radio static sound after that, but we've done that joke a few times. We're not really doing radio, are we? And this episode doesn't reference Silent Hill. I mean, I've written about Metroid a lot for the website, right? There's at least three articles about Samus Aran. There's an article about Metroidvanias, which we're still sticking with the term lock-em-ups. That's just what we're doing. We're sticking with the term lock-em-ups. I kept coming back to thinking about what I gave up for video games. Contemplating what I've learned from the video game industry, and I wasn't really finding anything. And I certainly didn't give up anything for video games. I think it's more that, for all the time I spend around video games, I don't need or want them to be the center of my life. Or like, even close to the center. The game industry taught me that trying to keep current with the game industry is exhausting, and trying to become a part of it is even more exhausting. Which is something I've always known, but forgot. So thank you video games, for reminding me that I enjoy life much more just falling into the things that I'm into, whether or not I'll have anyone to talk to about them. I'm sitting on the floor of some bedroom again. Metroid Prime is on everyone's mind. It's on my mind, of course. It's in every gaming magazine, it's on oneup.com, it's everywhere you turn and everywhere you look. I have been frothing at the mouth for months to play it. Of course, this is not the remake, this is the original release, Metroid Prime. Rain patters against my windows and colors the texture of the rain on my screen. Talon 4's overworld unfolds in front of me, and I am trying desperately to give up something for video games, while Christmas morning unfolds outside of my room somewhere else. Games are not special. I might be paraphrasing that. I read it in one of the few books I actually finished this year, Writing for Games, Theory and Practice, by Hannah Nicklin. Her point is that while there are some things games do well, and some things they do less well, as storytelling vehicles anyway, there's nothing inherently superior to them compared to other storytelling media. They just are. If they're the paradigmatic media of Empire, this is not a compliment, that's just the circumstance and happenstance of their gestation on military mainframes. Games are not special. I write the words and try to feel them. 
In another browser tab, neglected for three months, I have a dissertation chapter open where I'm trying to prove something I think they're especially good at. Maybe, just maybe, when I accept what games are not, I'll finally figure out what they are. In my early 20s, I spent a huge chunk of my free time traveling down to the cities beneath me, trying to find copies of Parasite Eve 1 and 2 on the PlayStation. Vagrant Story, obscure Japanese RPGs, anything I could rightfully get my hand on. It was like I was building a case against the future. Some kind of conversation piece that when I finally broke into that group of friends that had the same interest in retro game collecting as I did, that they would accept me and take me in, not for who I was, but for the things that I'd owned. After all, that had been largely my experience online in collector's circles and classic video game forums and emulation homepages and things. And the fact of the matter is, when you're in your early 20s and you're surrounded by people that are broke or going through it or figuring out their identities, anchoring yours to a bunch of plastic jewel cases from decades before is not a way of crafting an identity or connecting with other people. Even the strangers I'd find who had an interest in video games were usually shocked or off-put by the fact that I had missed meals just to have a copy of Metal Gear Solid VR Missions on the PlayStation 1 or the fact that I sank a relatively large chunk of my life into it. It's still a damn great video game, just so you know. But sitting across from four or five of these giant 16-gallon plastic totes of PlayStation 1 and PlayStation 2 games that I was going to be forced to either move again or sell and let go of forever, I chose the latter option knowing I couldn't take any of it with me, and that none of it really served any kind of purpose besides ticking hours on a clock for more video games played before the day I die. I guess in that instance I could say I gave up video games for approximately $650 to maybe $675 for a down payment on an apartment that I only lived in for six months while I was just desperately trying to scrape anything together resembling a life. And I gave all of that up for video games. Except one time a conversation about Castlevania did get me a moonlit dance under the stars. So who could say if it's good or bad or not? Right? I wanna sleep on your couch And pretty baby I've been thinking lately I've been thinking lately That I need a place to pass out What I learned from video games is that it reminds me that time is finite. There's so many games in the world that I want to play, but so little time. The biggest threat of them all, though, had to be live service games. I used to be really into Apex Legends, but being committed to a game like that means that your time is being sucked away from other pursuits. Less live service games to suck your time and money away, more single player games. Thank you. I used to have a serious, serious online role-playing addiction. I'm talking like at least four or five years of my life have been spent online idling in an online multiplayer role-playing game. It was 
called Malacorlia. We've never talked about it on the website, but I have memories from there that can't be repeated in real life. Experiences I had as a teenager into an adult into my mid-twenties, early thirties that can never really be repeated. So much of my time spent pretending to be a wizard or a dwarf online. Actually, that's not true. I mostly played undead and human characters. I never played a dwarf. I just, I didn't. I'm sorry. They weren't allowed in the campaign setting. It was either that or I could be a kender. And like being that happy-go-lucky was just really not a character I could see myself portraying accurately. Never mind the fact that I didn't get approved to play. Okay, what I'm saying here is I've played a lot of online role-playing games in the years. Journeys through World of Warcraft and Final Fantasy XIV and Ashran's Call and Guild Wars 2 and Ultima Online and RuneScape that can't be repeated really anywhere else. Friendships made and lost and forgotten. I could have been what? I don't know. Going out to more bars? Hanging out with more coworkers? Doing all of that instead of playing video games? Maybe at some point my MMO addiction precluded real life and I didn't know how to interact with real people anymore. I honestly don't know. If I knew how to interact with real people in the first place, I don't think there would be a deep hell. But I did play a lot of these online games through various stages in my life of not being able to afford food or rent or other video game purchases. There was a time in my life where I was playing free MMOs because I couldn't afford anything else because I was buying so many retro games that I then wasn't playing because I'd already played so many of them through emulation that I just had to own physical copies. It became like a hole, a well I was willing to go down. There was nothing at the bottom, you know what I mean? There's nothing on the other side of that. At least not for me. And I know I've had friends say they've met their partners online or good friends or things like that, but I never did. Not until, well, you know the rest of the story. But I played these online games over and over and over again. And I played the trash and the good ones and the bad ones all so I could feed my habit of just collecting this treasure trove of independent video games. Where my physical library receded, my Steam library became even more and more and more gigantic, and all of a the sudden there just wasn't enough time to involve myself in any of it. And there were so many games coming out and all of these things happening, and I just didn't even know what I was going to do next. One thing they don't tell you when you become a video game reviewer Playing video games for fun, for actual leisure, becomes impossible. You're either playing to find a pitch to write about, or you're playing to meet a deadline. Sometimes, both at the same time. When you get a free moment to yourself, the last thing in the world you want to do is start up a console or PC device of your choice and play another video game. Nothing in video games except for video games. Word of advice? Don't become a video game reviewer unless you want to give up video games for video games. And I'm getting to the end of this episode, and I'm running out of familiar audio cues. I'm running out of nostalgia beats that I can rely on. And maybe that's the thing I've given up for video games all along. That sense of history, survival horror, and Resident Evil, and all of the genres that kept me comfortable and complacent, 
and wanting to explore the same themes over and over again. Even pushing as far back as I can allow, my memories of video games only go so far. So what did I spend my time doing instead? How did I spend my life up to this point playing video games? I spent it in Fire Emblems and Metal Gear Solid and Champions Online and all of these different titles, but what did I spend it doing if I can't even think of the sounds that make me remember it? Is that trauma or something else? Is that another essay I need to write to excise something out of my system? Or is that something else? Is that just a wasted history? Or is that a reflection of the world around me? I honestly don't know at this point. I don't know. I just, I don't know. I remember spending at least a week of my life sitting in bed with a broken arm playing The World Ends With You, though. I remember that. I remember having video games close for that, and not really being able to get out of bed to do anything else. I was not supposed to write about video games. I studied art. I'm a game critic by chance. I started because I felt video games had not received proper recognition as cultural artifacts in Italy. And after almost 10 years and many articles about the global success of the medium, gaming is bigger than cinema and music combined, and many mainstream and important outlets covering video games, I feel like video games took everything from me, a whole decade of my life, and nothing has actually changed. During 2022, the memes about the recurring industry discourse on Twitter, you've maybe seen the one by the good Giada Zavaris, the unimaginative and repetitive pattern of the Game of the Year list, the general detachment between video game making, video game criticism, and a world on the edge of a climate apocalypse have been an unsettling reminder of the insignificance of what I've done. As much as I want to queue up more audio, we're getting near the end here. And I guess I still haven't gotten any closer to figuring out what I've given up for video games. But maybe that's just it. I've given up video games for a lot of things. And I've definitely had video games impact chunks of my life that I'll never get back. But it's very easy, very, very easy, I feel like, to look at one circumstance, say that's what caused this, and keep moving forward. I think... We have to. As people, as creators, as artists, people just have to keep moving forward no matter what. Though it could be part of a larger trend such as employment, childcare, and other social issues facing the average family. This year, video games broke my skull and spilled my brains like some pathetic pink egg yolk. I released three games in 2022. Throughout, I had talked to friends who had been entertainers, game artists, for far longer than I told me that the path is never straightforward, that Brent Ammon took 10 years to learn how to make 3D games, it took 10 years before I realized that I can write code, for 13 years I wanted to make games, for 10, I used RM2003, thinking I couldn't handle code. This year, I started learning GML, and it was so, so easy all along. The only hurdle in my way had been a sense of inferiority imprinted on me by the cruelty of others. Games taught me that the barricade in my way is me and that I wasted 13 years settling for less than I wanted. 
And that's just it. Have I settled? Is this my life now? Am I truly 80% video games and 20% the rest of whatever? I still don't have that answer. I still don't know if I've given up anything for video games or if I've gained things because of video games. But... Contemplating what I've learned from the video game industry and I wasn't really finding anything. And I certainly didn't give up anything for video games. I think it's more that, for all the time I spend around video games, I don't need or want them to be the center of my life. Or like, even close to the center. The game industry taught me that trying to keep current with the game industry is exhausting, and trying to become a part of it is even more exhausting. Which is something I've always known, but forgot. So thank you video games for reminding me that I enjoy life much more, just falling into the things that I'm into whether or not I'll have anyone to talk to about them. Audio submissions by Quinn K, Derry, Kale Holtner, Ario Barzen, Matteo Lupetti, Pizza Pranks at Indiepocalypse on Twitter, and Quips Lawrence, and you know what? More too. Audio submissions by Sapphire, Karen Malady, Tristan, Eula Ramchek, Natalie Kiernan, Bern Gelbart, and many more, including myself. Hey, always remember, Merry Christmas from DeepHell.com. I gave up 200 hours of my life for Elden Ring and I didn't even like it. <laughs> Shut up! I gave up 200 hours of my life for Elden Ring and I didn't even like it. Elden Ring was the first video game, new or old, that I played since 2020. When I unplugged all the things having to do with video games and put them in an attic. Ultimately, and merely, Elden Ring just reminded me of the sort of mundane stranglehold the medium has had in much of my life. When I played it, I became aware of the disconnection from my own body, as all of my attention, all of my energy, was invested vicariously. In this way, I suppose, a lesson was also delivered. That a day-to-day -day fixation on video games, so common even for those who use the term gamer sarcastically, is not only irrelevant to me now, but deprivational.